1: Visit RobertHalf. today.
2: Oh, yes! What is up, everybody? And welcome to Kenny Cooper's favorite podcast, and soccer Way Trash. What's up, Cooper? i Jimmy, the
0: Trash Tips, the Trash Cans, Conrad, alongside Billy Big Timer. Charlie Davies, who I don't know where the hell he is. looks like he's in a special trailer for only A-listers. And Hollywood Heath Pierce, who's a little, I'm going to say, a little disappointed that uh, Chuck is getting more of the Hollywood treatment than uh, you, Mr. Heath Pierce. Anyway, we have a game. U.S. Men's National Team. We're going to recap it against El Salvador. Big 1-0 win, which means they booked their ticket as the number one seed in the CONCACAF Nations League semifinals, which means because Mexico could only muster a 2-2 draw against Jamaica at home, They're going to play each other on June 15th in Las Vegas for one of the semifinals, and that is going to be a cracking affair. Very excited about that. And then, of course, if you're watching on the YouTubes, hit like and subscribe. Tell a friend how great our show is. We'd really appreciate that. If you're listening to it on your podcast platform of choice, make sure you download, follow, leave a five-star review. And you also, we're telling you right now, go tell somebody. And, and, and... We're up for an award. We're a finalist in the soccer category for the Sports Podcast Awards. We need your help, so please take a minute out of your day to vote. The link is in the description. And I don't know if Charlie needs any more acclaim, but he, (laughs) I think, he would appreciate, I mean, just a little bit more to continue to validate how special he is as a prognosticator. And I say this, Chuck, I'm going to give you the floor first because you said that Daryl DK should be cleaning the shoes of Ricardo Pepe in the preview show. He shouldn't start. I said DK should start. DK started, didn't do much with the 60 minutes. That's what happens. Didn't take his chance. Pepe comes in two minutes later as a sub, scores the winner, and now it's Ricardo Pepe time.
2: So Chuck, go ahead, take it away. It's all about you. Go ahead. No, no, I, didn't, I don't want to be that. <laughs> I don't want to be that guy. Me, no, no. Um, what, what I will say is the reason why I was so adamant about ricardo pepe continuing to get the opportunity was just because he earned it he's deserved it he showed it with his play his movement his first touch and just his his decisive runs in the box the reason why he scored that goal was because when Weson mckinney picked his head up it was he was playing off the back inside shoulder of the defender Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. which sets up the run because the defender has to check his shoulder and when he checks his shoulder that's the signal for ricardo pepe to take off into that space with a, with a bending run. For a midfielder, if you pick your head up and you see your striker giving you that lane with that intention saying, give it to me now, then you play the ball and it's there for you. So it's mm-hmm, all mm-hmm. set up by the run. And once he gets into that space, you showed one, he's got enough speed. It's not world-class speed, but enough speed to get in front of the defender. Two, the strength to hold off. A Dominguez, the center back who was strong for El Salvador, who gave Daryl Dike a tough time throughout the match, and three, the clinical finish. It's it's the 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 light chip over the keeper. Uh, I know Heath loves Pepe's finishing game. He, he's you've talked about it ad nauseum. So for me, I, I think Pepe just showed it with his his play tonight. Okay, so Heath, I'm gonna throw this to you. I put out a tweet
0: after he scored, going, I still can't believe that we didn't take Ricardo Pepe. To the World Cup. It's shocking. It it is still shocking. But you were first. One of the first, at least for us in our circle, you were first. You were the conductor of the Ricardo Pepe hype train. And I want you to take your flowers because he is really coming good. He's now scored six U.S. men's national team goals. It's the third youngest to ever do it behind Christian Pulisic and Josie Mm Altador. He clearly has something, and it showed tonight because even he should have scored maybe another one. Good deflection. First touch to set up a second. I mean, the goalkeeper made a great save. He was feeling it. And I think he had something to prove. I don't know if it's just going up against Daryl DK or if it's also all the stories about Balogun as well. and and uh, go ahead, take your flowers. let's let's talk about Ricardo Pepe with you.
1: No, I, I, I like Charlie. It's not about it's not about taking flowers. I'm just I'm happy uh, to see somebody somebody. <laughs> I, I'll ta- I take him on Twitter. like I went I'll go all, all day long with the haters on Twitter around that stuff. but on, 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 on here, it's it's mostly just about the fact that again, you see, there's little – it's not even like an if you know, you know. If you watch quality football or quality soccer, you can see something in in Ricardo Pepe that you don't see in all of our players, right? In the same way that we look at Serginho Dest at times when he's in form and you go, man, there's something that you don't always see, right? You go out to a park, you watch U15 game, and and, and you see like of a high-level tournament, you'll see somebody that just gets your eye and something – you you feel something, right, when you watch him play. And he's got a little bit of that. His movement, first touch, his confidence – He's, he's still lanky and, and like, it's not like there's like, it's not like watching Mbappe play, right? Like there's still things about him but there's just little things that I like about him and he's got a long way to go, but still that, whether it's a chip on the shoulder, whether it's learning from not making the world cup team, whether it's this adversity he's going through, I just really like his response, his attitude and more than anything, just how comfortable and confident he looks out there in and around the goal.
2: Jimmy, okay. I want to give you I want to give you your flowers first before we, we do <laughs> I'll go. take them. Be- These are yes, dead flowers though, Jimmy, because you <laughs> didn't want Pepe on the field. These are <laughs> I just yes.
1: deserve-
0: not want him on the what, field. I just thought that DK deserved flowers. He deserved a chance well, to yeah. start with the first team and he got it and he didn't make the most of it.
2: Yeah, well he I, I didn't say there were there were roses, but I want to <laughs> yeah. I want <laughs> I got some what, weeds here
0: from Charlie. Yeah. What
2: what I appreciate and love about about us is that the fact is the fact that we can say however we're feeling about a certain player, about tactics, about a coach, and we're challenged. And it's, it's not just, okay, you can say that and it's out there. It's why do you feel that way? Give me some evidence. And we, all three of us can say this is why we believe it because we've been on the field. We've shared it. I value all of your opinions. I love the fact that you say, all right, why, why, what makes him different? And and why should he get it versus DK? And I know you just wanted to see DK get an opportunity because he scored goals in the English Championship. He's, he's finally in form. He's healthy. But I think what we saw tonight and the last game, he came in as a sub, was largely ineffective. Wasn't involved. You, can't, you can say, oh, the, everyone's selfish, whatnot. Today he gets the start and was largely ineffective. Pepe came in as a sub in a, in a game against an El Salvador team who is very disciplined, organized tactically. Uh, you, you know whenever you play against El Salvador, with Hugo Perez that it's going to be a game because he really prepares for his team against the U S comes in and thank you very much delivers. And for me, that's the difference between the quality of these two players in some ways. And I I appreciate
0: you saying that. And, and, uh, that's one of my favorite parts of the show too, is that we can have meaningful conversation about how we're feeling and what we want to see from either particular players or, or as you said, the tactics of the team overall for me, I guess I was using DK as an example there. Cause all of us benefited from getting that one opportunity at some point, like we got an opportunity. Sometimes it's due to injury. I got into the team because Eddie Pope was hurt or initially I got in because Danny Califf went over to, to Europe to go or, you know, leave MLS and go to Denmark or wherever he went. And that opened up a spot for me just to get into camp. And then from there, as you start to work your way in, you have to get an opportunity at some point. And I just thought that DK needed that. When he, To your point, when he was in form, when he was scoring goals, and he got it with the first team. There were seven guys that started tonight for us that started all four games of the World Cup. It's not going to get any better or look any better. I know that we don't have Tyler Adams. You know, Maybe some guys are in a little bit of a different spot or having different asks. But if he can't perform around that type of talent, then to your point, maybe he just doesn't fit in with this group. Maybe he's better suited playing with West Brom, where he is, where the style suits him a little bit more, built around him, as opposed to it seems like our style is built around some of the other players, and that's fine. But Ricardo Pepe comes in and makes an immediate difference, and and uh, yeah, I think it might be a while for Daryl Dike he gets another start, but he got his chance. He got his chance. He yeah. and I think I that mean, the, the field. That's all I was it, looking it, for, and he didn't. He didn't make the most of it. Okay, cool. Then we're we got to yeah. necessarily move on, but we have to move to. Figuring out, okay, you're not the best fit for us at this particular time. I,
1: I, I will say, and, and we, we've all experienced this, right? This is the other hard part about a game, of how fluid a game is. In the second half, the U.S. is playing far better, far more, much better. with much more urgency, much more just sort of like emphasis in, in what they wanted to do. And you could feel that momentum shift from the start of the second half, right? And when you're Daryl Dika, you're like, man, we were just getting... Going And we've all been in that situation before where you come off and you're like, dude, this was a dud of a first half. Second half is better. Game's opening up. Obviously, El Salvador can only keep that discipline for so long because they do need to go out and try to get a result at a certain point. So maybe they play a little bit more stretched out to try to get to the semifinals. And that opens up that space for DK, right? If you're, I mean, for Pepe, if you're DK, you're thinking through that lens of like, man. Got shafted again, to be honest, right? <laughs> but he didn't do anything I, in I, the I, that I've had. been there. Yeah, I've
2: been there. But <laughs> when, but what I you get replaced and the guy scores who who, yeah. who but, took your
1: spot. But take the goal away, right? If Pepe didn't score, I still would have liked how active he was. And it's not a it, it's the things that I like about his game have far little to do with his natural natural finishing ability, because I do think he's good, especially now that he's he's confident. It's the fact that almost every time he checks off, he plays simple. He checks off, he brings the the ball down in tough areas. He brings other players into the game around him. And I'm going to keep on saying that until people realize that those are aspects of his game that are different than other players. Mm -hmm. He doesn't slow down the speed of the attack when the ball comes to him. He keeps that pace going. He he has a rhythm to his game and, and a confidence in his first touch and bringing other players in that I just really like. That if I look at that half or the 30 minutes that he did, I don't know if he lost the ball at all, you know, other than like mm-hmm. shots, mm-hmm. trying to, trying to create goals. He lays the ball off. He knows like time and place. And he seems to understand that at a really young age, which I like.
0: Well, let's talk about the first half because, and this is hardcore analysis for everybody. It was poo poo. It was not mm-hmm. good. And, and I think what's interesting. And what I was thinking about when I was watching the game was, it was our, like, if, if, we're, if I'm snapping my fingers in terms of pace, it just was, it's just too slow. Right. Uh-huh. And we needed to pick that up. And, and we did at the end of the second, or the end of the first half, a little bit more urgency. Weston should have scored on that set piece, the header. I think he thought he was going to get some contact. And Alex Rodon just decided not to touch him at all. And he, and he heads it wide. But I just feel like we lacked a little bit of that. And that was addressed immediately. Also, I thought that Gio Reina was playing a little bit too deep. When he picks up the ball that deep, I just feel like he's not as effective as he can be. We need him in the, in a little bit higher, a little bit more connected to the nine, whoever that may be. Or or if Pulisic comes inside, he can find that space, and that's where he found a good ball where he did combine with Christian, got it back, and he ended up hitting the post at the start of the second half. I, I I'd like that's where I feel like Gio's a little bit more dynamic when he can just stay in the fringes and pick his spots as to where he wants to go. And I just thought maybe he was a little bit too deep in the first half. That's maybe what the game was dictating. I thought we played into El Salvador's hands a little bit. I think they were really well organized. I don't want to take anything away from Hugo Perez and his team. I think they were saw what happened with Granada that we just got overrun on the left side uh, for Granada, and so they they addressed that. But but I kind of want to get your guys' thoughts on the first half because as I mentioned, we had seven World Cup starters out there, and it just looked a little disjointed. And uh, Charlie, I'll come to you first. Charlie, you go ahead. Before you talk though, uh, can you can we, Jimmy? Can we acknowledge Charlie's? home and away
1: form in terms of his outfits. He's got his gold Daytona on. He's got a little bit of that flavor to him that, you know, oh, look, he just showed it again. He showed his oh watch. He just flexed yeah. it. Wow. Flexed <laughs> it again. wow. Like, that's when I know Charlie's like ho- home, Charlie, and this is a Charlie's away kit is like, oh, he's got something going. You I'm know surprised I mean? like, he doesn't have like an Emmy award or something in that little spot there in the corner. I'm like, just shocked perfect that for a trophy I'm just shocked that CBS and Paramount Plus bought him this Madden cruiser that takes him everywhere and, and, he's, and he's able to just basically sleep in this.
3: Oh, and there it like, is. Oh, man. Here we go. Oh,
0: wow. He's Jeez borrowing somebody me. else's trophy from whatever yeah. trailer he's yeah. in right now, but it's looking Jeez. really good. That game <laughs> is fantastic. Yeah. Chuck, Chuck, talk to us about the first half, though, because obviously the second half ended on a high note.
2: All right. Peace. Um. Let me tell you. <laughs> Here we go, slapping. Jeez.
0: Charlie's got one
1: arm that's six inches longer than the other because that watch is so heavy. <laughs> uh, hey, those 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 win bonuses were good back in the day, weren't yeah, they? I yeah, took clearly. care of you. I like that. Clearly.
2: No, what, what I will say is we both know, all three of us, that when you play against El Salvador, when you win the ball, you have to be direct. There has to be an aggression, and you have to score early because – their whole game plan is to delay, and then they recover quickly. They get numbers behind the uh, the, uh, the ball. And you're playing against Hugo Perez, who's very tactically aware of how to expose the U.S. and how to make it difficult for the U.S. So you saw early in the first half, they said, Tim Ream, we're going to invite them high up the field. We're going to sit back, and we're just going to play long balls in behind. We're going to test his pace. We're going to see... How fast Miles Robinson can cover for him? That was the game plan, and it worked. It was pretty effective in the beginning because the U.S. would come up forward, then they'd be like, "Oh, we gotta all uh, bust mm-hmm, our butts mm-hmm. back to get behind the ball." I think for the U.S. it was too slow. They, when you took an extra touch, then you allowed two, three uh, mm-hmm, El Salvador mm-hmm, players to mm-hmm. get back. So we saw in the first half, if you're not playing quick with intention to, to get go to goal directly, which I know the U S players talked about, Oh, we, we, now we, we can take our time. We don't have to rush. There's time. There's a time and space for that on, on the pitch against El Salvador at home. You have to go and score quick. That, that is how you break them because then you force them to come out. And if they can keep it close for as long as they did, you're really suiting uh, El Salvador. And they, they had some quality chances had they had a, a yeah, Matt a, Turner had a
0: save there the, if, uh, two minutes in again,
2: yeah. If they had, if they had a capable goal scorer, one that was really a, a top-notch striker in in Concacaf, this could have been a, a different game. Mm-hmm.
0: Okay, and Heath, uh, how about you? Because uh, there's a really fun fact about our record against El Salvador, and it's pretty ridiculous. Where we have the longest unbeaten streak against them than any other opponent in our history, which is 22, 17 wins now and five, five draws. So despite them kind of giving us a hard time and us kind of just getting slim victories or results against them, we don't lose to them more often than not.
1: No. And and that's the matter of like, like Charlie said, you come down to those moments where there's just at times they even got advantages in the second half where you see them attacking with equal numbers or even numerical advantages. And they kind of just falls flat, you know, and I think there's a lack of that, that, that next level of quality within that squad right now. But if it wasn't for a lack of that, like Charlie said, it's, it could be a different game. You know, there was a few, uh, kind of wake up moments for us that I think shouldn't happen in a game like this. But again, second half, very different than the first half, first half, just as Charlie mentioned, really flat, kind of lackluster, not on the same page, not a sharpness in passing, not an urgency to like sort of be sharp and combine. And, um, just a rude awakening from like obviously playing against a Granada which there's going to be gaps and spaces and everybody's confident and everybody wants to do uh better that was just a good response in the second half I think which was a mm-hmm. great to, as a as a sort of response from the first half going into halftime second half great response to start the half that way but not what I expect from 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 this team and the quality that they have in the first half just not not really yeah, really disappointing because there wasn't one player that I could have been like they were good in the first half um, it was just kind of flat. Yeah, collective.
0: Yeah. yeah, okay. So we talked about Daryl DK. He was one of the new starters in this game. Let's talk about Alejandro Zendejas, another attacking player, got the start, scored against Granada, went really well-taken goal. He had a couple moments early on where I thought he had a couple of good dummies that that kind of broke Sergio Dest into some space, but not as effective. I mean, busy, trying to do some things, but not as effective. So I'm going to go to our resident hunk over there with like his $15,000 watch, Charlie Davies. And, and oh, about,
1: my guy doesn't sorry. do 15. He come on now.
0: So I didn't see all the diamonds on that.
1: He's Louise, 15. Yeah. 15 when he bought it like 22 years ago.
2: You know what I mean?
0: Yeah. You had, yeah. You had, you had inflation to that, Charlie. You know what I mean? Got yourself a little mortgage. Zende, on your Let's talk about Zendejas. He's that appreciation's
2: not, real. Yeah. Yeah.
0: So, so Zendejas, does he earn in the, the next start? Do you feel like, it's just yeah. Reyna that needs to be in that spot. Taylor Booth came on a little bit later. You could see a little bit of what what makes him go, and and it's uh, got some ideas and takes some risks, which I like. But let's let's focus on Zendejas right now.
2: Yeah, I'd say Zendejas as as a whole, and I'm looking at both matches, first match and second match. If you're if you're grouping those together, it's encouraging because he's different, and you you want flexibility, you want different ideas for different opponents this is probably not a player who's going to start every single match but in terms of oh we need a, a, a winger who can come inside to offset the other team and unbalance the other team then yeah I like that he's good on the ball he's confident but for him to be effective in this match then you need Sergio Dest to be really high up the pitch because he comes inside and Serginho Dest we saw looked rusty I mean he, he got himself in good spots, but he wasn't as decisive as we saw last year. He wasn't as clean as, as he was last year. I think he would have been a little bit more aggressive going to goal, getting to the end line, whipping balls in. That was not what we saw from, from Des today. And I think the lack of him and his fitness and his form, I think applied to Zendejas a little bit today, because if he has to break down two, three uh, El Salvador players and the blocks, they, they were in deep blocks it's not as easy as a, a Granada who's unorganized, rushing all over the place, opened up. That's, that plays into his hands. I would have liked to see him take a little bit more shots to, today because if, if you are playing against a team that's sitting deep, the one way to get them to come out a little bit more and create some more mm-hmm. space is by taking shots. He, he, he had a nice goal against Granada in this game. I think it would have suited him to to take a little bit more shots and be a little bit more proactive when he was in possession. I think he deferred a lot in this game and that's was, that was because he's playing with Christian and and Gio Reyna and he, he wanted to make sure that like, like anyone coming into a a new team, Hey, I know you guys have been here for a while. You guys can make decisions. Let me add value and not so much take the initiative. I think that's going to probably change in the future as he gets more comfortable and, and guys get used to how he plays. But uh, this is a player that deserves to be in the group. You can see that. But as as far as a certified starter, like I said from the beginning, he's not a guaranteed starter in this team. And and you look at Aronson. you look at Taylor Booth. I know Booth probably still has a little ways to go, but Aronson's another player, and then Timo Wea is another player. So th- there are a number of mm-hmm. different players yeah, with sure. different qualities, and I think ultimately will make the group better. I think what's
0: interesting, and I'm going to use Zendaya as an example, but I think this goes for all of our wingers. I don't know if I see them. And now I'm thinking specifically about Zendejas. Did he connect any passes to DK? Was there any looking into that passing lane to see if it was on? Maybe it wasn't on, but I don't feel like, and I know he said this a few podcasts ago and it's still sticking in my frontal lobe here. That, I don't know if we do a good enough job of bringing our attacker or number nine into into the attack consistently. And and, and that pass would, I think, would allow that to happen a little bit more often.
2: All right. We'll talk uh, about uh, that. Wait, and wait, wait, more. wait. Before, before <laughs> you say anything, I know you just said that, but my, my rebuttal to that is look how long it took uh, Pepe to get involved in this game.
0: Sure. Sure. And a good entry and, pass from Wesley McKinney. That's from a central midfielder, but I'm still – from our from our winger perspective, I, I feel like that passes on sometimes, and I don't know if we're looking enough for it. Now it's not always on the wingers; sometimes it's it's on our striker. I remember there was one movement where I saw DK who could have run into the space. One of the outside backs, or the other center back had stepped up, and he didn't. And I could see the frustration. I don't know who was on the ball at the moment, but they could see them being like, "Dude, make the run!" And they had to play it backwards. And I could see everybody being a little bit frustrated with that. All right, we're gonna take our first break. Of in soccer, we trust. When we come back, we're gonna let Heath talk. <laughs> so don't go anywhere. All right, you in soccer we trusters, if you like us, you're then you're a fan of the European game as well as your domestic league or wherever you like to watch the beautiful game. Make sure to check out another great pod then in the CBS Sports Podcast family called the House of Champions with our friends Ian Joy, Fabrizio Romano, Nigel Rio Coker, Michael LaHue, James Ben, Jonathan Johnson. And they're unpacking the biggest games and storylines from the top five leagues and the greatest competition on Earth, the Champions League, and beyond. House of Champions has you covered. So go download and subscribe to the House of Champions podcast anywhere you find this one. That would mean a lot to us, like giving us a high five to our little brother. I don't know. If, I said little brother, but we're probably the little brother in that whole, that whole thing. Anyway, welcome back to Instagram with Trust. I'm Trash Can, along with Hollywood and Chuck Wagon, and we are getting after it. We're talking a little Alejandro Zendejas in the U.S.'s 1-0 win over El Salvador. They get the top spot in their Nations League group, which means they've booked their ticket to the semifinals, and they just happen to play against Mexico. That'll be June 15th in Las Vegas. That will be very fun and very tasty affair for sure. Heath Pierce, we didn't let you talk about Zendejas, but I also want to get kind of your player of the match in general. There was another yeah. one, Miles Robinson who's making his first appearance for the national team in over a year after he tore his Achilles. And I thought he was fantastic, but I don't want to put words in your mouth. So I'll let you decide who you want to go with after I hear your thoughts on Zendejas. Oh yeah. And it was, did you see
1: that little uh, gold hand Charlie travels with, you know, it's, it says two, because that's the amount of, that's the amount of strikers Charlie wants to see on our, on, on our national team on the field at all times. You know? And in, in, in case of emergency break this and it's like play with two strikers, you know, have more players in and around the ball. But no, I think obviously I'd love to give it to, to Ricardo Pepe just because you come on, you make an impact, you score the goal. Generally, mm-hmm. we know we know, we know, know who a sponsor is going to give that to. Uh, and and I thought he was really impactful of just continuing to, to create that attack. I thought it took a while to get Christian Pulisic going. I thought both left side and right side kind of struggled to be on the same page. And we've seen that a lot in our national team of finding that rhythm, right? You watch club games and you see a little bit of that Timing of like when a when a winger comes inside and a fullback goes high and just that constant of just changing the angles um, in that case. I like Robinson. I like the shout. I thought the center backs are both good um, on the night, uh, at least on the ball. But I have to give it to Ricardo Pepe. Jimmy, actually, I have a question for you. Okay, to send it back. You know, Charlie. Charlie said this at the top of the show about, oh yeah, we can disagree with each other. When you were talking about Miles Robinson not making the twenty-two man or twenty-three man roster for the last game, right? Yes. Um, Sitting out and you're like, well, they must be saving him. I thought you were insane. I've never, ever experienced where coaches completely just save somebody. Like generally I would have at least thought, okay, he's in the squad. You don't play him, but like he gets a little bit of that feeling again. And then maybe you play him the next one, but you had him. either. You had some inside information. uh, (laughs) You had a guy go from, you had a guy go from not in the squad to starting in the classic, like, save his legs type of thing, where you're like, no, he could save his legs on the bench, but at least he's experiencing being in the lineup. <laughs>
0: listen, never, I think I was the only one of us. Heat. I was the yeah. only one that also called Daryl yeah. DK starting this one. Uh, I, no. I, listen. I don't have any insider information. Yeah, I right. guess I was just,
1: <laughs> yeah, right. Yeah.
2: I was yeah, very and, and excited. Heath was to... Coffee with the coaches. Right. Yeah, I, I yeah. you know
0: what? I can't confirm
1: or deny if I, well, yeah. When I said that coffee. on the show, Jimmy already knew. Cause those coaches were texting him saying, Hey, I ran into this guy, Heath Pierce <laughs> or something like that. Uh, at the coffee shop. Jimmy's like, yeah, yeah. I know the guy, you know?
0: Yeah. 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 No, I mean, I was pleasantly surprised to see miles start, especially with this team. With a lot of experience and guys coming off the World Cup and and uh, that kind of trust, from Anthony Hudson is 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 important. And and I thought what I liked the most is that he grew stronger as the game went along. He started to win all of his one on one battles a lot more cleanly. Not only win him, but when he won the ball, then he'd make a nice pass forward. Some yeah, he he, he started to eliminate the safe pass unless that was the only one on, and started Jimmy, to find ra- those ones ra- that would break
2: the lines. Jimmy, rank the the center backs in the order of the past two games.
0: Ooh. Ooh. Ask me about the fullbacks next. Go
1: ahead. Okay.
2: Yeah. Okay. That's a good question.
0: So, for everybody that wanted, because Chuck's audio is like, it's like you're in an echo chamber or like a, a cave. He's just in just the Madden dark. Cruiser. He's fine. Sorry, he's in the Madden Cruiser. It's literally moving right now to his next destination.
1: You know? <laughs> we talked about having his own driver. Now he's got his own motorhome driver, which is You nice. can't
0: even tell that it's moving. That's how clean oh, and smooth I know. that is. Oh, I know. <laughs> All right, Chuck. Chuck. So, Chuck says, rate the center backs. Mm-hmm. Over these last two games. Mm-hmm. Tim Reem is solid. The guy is so just quietly good, and his passing's excellent. I actually like Miles' defending better. I'll throw that into the mix. Um
2: now last game, trusty was the better of the two.
0: Over McKenzie, yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I would say that these two tonight played a better opponent and uh were a little bit more solid than those other two. So I would probably go. I really liked Miles tonight, but maybe my bar was a little bit lower because we hadn't seen him in a while. And I, I, I haven't caught too many Atlanta United games. Uh, the one that uh, he missed, they, they gave up four goals, which really kind of speaks to his, his influence, especially in the back line or five goals or six goals. I don't know how many goals they gave up to the crew. But um, oh, man, I want to say Miles first, Tim Ream second, trusty third and Mark McKenzie four.
2: And but then
0: outside, outside backs for, for Heath. first and Miles Robinson second. It It's wow. like flipping a coin. But I was just really happy to see Miles back and such a force that when you see him playing that way, like, ah, man, what what would Heath look like if he had been healthy and playing for us at the World Cup? Mm-hmm. I don't know. Heath, yeah. what about outside backs? No,
1: I mean, for, again, I, I, and I know where you're coming from, Jimmy, because – it's it's really hard like you you have to judge it on a handicap based on the opponent right because yeah you for, have to you have especially to. You for have our to. fullbacks where you're like always like today they were tested more in areas where you had to be sharp you had to play quick you had to have ideas but i expect that from our best fullbacks and they neither of them did that so they fall on the depth like based on this camp based on performances i've got scally and 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 then i've got uh, i've got scally Reynolds is number two again. I thought he, he has a long way to go, but just dust in terms of it's, it's really hard to take the bias of like what I know he can do versus what he did. He wasn't bad, but like, just doesn't look sharp. And, and obviously I mean, you see when he tried to do that, why. no look pass and it got cut out in the middle of the field. He did do another no look pass though. That was pretty sick. That was yeah, real I know. Clean, I know. high risk, high reward uh, guy. And uh, uh, I love that
0: about him, but, uh, uh and, and yeah,
1: this one was just like a simple field. combination play up near the top of the box. But, um, And then, and then Jedi Robinson just looks tired, to be honest with you. He's probably, he's, he's been on the grind. Yeah. He's been on the grind. He looked slow to react, slow to get forward. He almost rarely saw him bomb forward in the way that he did before. Just sort of almost what I liked about his game generally was not today, but he usually pins back a winger, forces them to have to defend really early on, right? Chase him constantly. And if you're a winger, that gets annoying after a while where you either got to start cheating forward. Or if he's winning that battle, you got to play honest and track him back a bunch of times. And that usually sets that battle on on good footing for, for him to win that 1v1 battle. But he just kind of looks tired, a little bit uh, off the mark. And we've seen him over the last couple of months uh, just sort of look like He's struggling to find the rhythm of the match, of the game, of the of the moment, and his passes are off. And someone's running diagonal. And he's playing it inside, or vice versa, and those sort of things. He just sort of looks off a beat. That looks like he just needs a break. So I, I they both dropped in my in my book. So I'm going to go with those other two. Interesting.
0: Um, not we, necessarily just we g- gave up a goal Granada. against Granada. Yeah, I get it.
1: Yeah, we did. But like you know, it, it, again, it's a hard thing to judge like game to no, game I get because it. It I two get completely it. different matches. Sure. But.
0: Sure. All right, let's skip midfield for now. We'll do that one collectively. Let's go to the, the front three, Charlie. How would you rank the front three in these last two games?
2: Yeah, I don't think Christian had a great game today, but he he was phenomenal in, in the, the first one. Obviously, you look at the opponent um, and the tactics of, of the opponent. So, um, man, Pepe, Pepe was good. Uh, so I'm going to go with Pepe as one just because as a striker, your main responsibility is to finish. And yeah, make three good goals runs. in two games. Mm-hmm. Um, so he's one for me. Pulisic is two. Three is Zendejas. Four is Aronson. Ooh. Uh, and then, uh, yeah, I mean, I guess Gio Reyna is an attacking midfielder. Today in the second half, he was much better, but largely, you know, you, you felt like he was he was carrying the pressure with him. That's that's what it felt like to me because there. The the moments that we saw in the second half today, you're saying, I need that more often. You have it in you. If you want to do it, it's very simple. You can do it. Just take over the game. You have that ability. But it it feels like he was just kind of cruising. He wasn't really giving it what that position needs from him. Mm -hmm, And mm for me, I'm I'm always going to have my expectations for him super high because we know how good he can be and how good he is. And you know it's similar to Christian. Sometimes it's unfair that, you're, you're, you're mm-hmm. that you have that much quality, but at the end of the day, yeah. you, you need to deliver And we just didn't see enough of, of Gio Reyna's ability over these two matches. Now, obviously these are just two matches, but we need to see more progress from him. And, and I hope the next round, which is gonna be uh, most likely against Mexico, he shows up, and we see that second half in the first 10 minutes at that, that Gio Reyna every single time.
0: Yeah, I'm, I'm – what about DK? So, DK's what, bottom on your list? Yes. Yeah, and Taylor Booth now, like, no rating, didn't play enough, I guess, would kind of fall into
2: uh, Yeah, y- yeah, I mean, he'd be slightly <laughs> above DK, so – Oh
0: man, DK. Taylor Booth does look like he's got, <laughs> he's got something in him
1: though. Like you see little, little, little tiny touches and things like that. And if you watched it again, I'm judging more off the club than, 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 than his camp. But like, um, DK just looks like, again, people ask like, is he not international quality? I think, I think he'll always, as long as he's scoring goals, he'll be knocking on the door of this pool. Cause you always need a different dynamic of strikers in your, in your pool. You can't have them all, uh, be the same type of striker, but, um, You know he's got he's got a ways to go. I
2: think what what, what I think what you're trying to say is, as long as you're scoring goals with your club, um, you'll you'll be a candidate for the group. But when you say international quality, that's that's a difference maker. That's somebody who can step on the pitch and not just play against Concacaf opponents, Grenada, Cuba, Dominican Republic, El Salvador. We're talking can play Mm -hmm. in a Copa America against an Argentina, Brazil. Venezuela and have success. Yeah, like it's,
1: it's not like you're Venezuela's, talking about me, man. It's yeah, great. I don't know. Like, Sounds like a left back that did like 35 games with the national team, played in some big tournaments, like that kind of guy, you know, like that consistency. I, I, in 2008, type of guy, you know what I mean? I like, feel like uh, I feel like Jordy <laughs> Pifok just took a <laughs> stray right now.
0: I don't know.
2: <laughs> <laughs> Jordy Pifok, but but what, what, but I think what we're what I'm trying to say is that uh, it's it, it's not that DK is never going to be an international quality striker. It's just right now he has a ways to go to develop into that player. And it's one thing to score goals in the championship. It's another thing to be an effective striker with this group and the qualities that is needed as a nine in this group is to be able to make runs to open up space, to be able to hold up the ball, but also to to sense when a striker needs to get some touches, uh, build some confidence so that, you know, the center back has to come out now and follow you because you can run at some players. Also, play some, some balls into the channels. Like, being able to be diverse and different and not so one-dimensional, and for me, DK is all one-dimensional right now. That's not saying he can't be... Multi-dimensional multidimensional hey. threat in different ways. But right now hey, hey, what Chuck I, what doesn't, what Chuck I doesn't like Daryl DK, I think no, I know I uh,
1: uh, almost <laughs> Chuck hates Daryl DK's if, 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 if Chuck had a t-shirt on right now. It might say that, um, but what I, but, but it, the truth is, is like we are critical of Daryl DK, but let's not forget about the player pool that we have at striker position. P was indifferent in a lot of performances, right? We saw, we saw, um, Ferreira indifferent in a lot of performances. Ricardo Pepe indifferent in a lot of performances in big moments during qualifying, right? We saw a number of guys that were just indifferent, completely indifferent in terms of their impact on games consistent, consistently, which is why this conversation is still going. You go back into certain other generations, you had your striker, at least, you know, might not be the guy, but it was at least, it was at least a separation from the others to know like who who our strikers it, were. And
2: that's, and that's why we all want to see Balogun come to play for the US. That's why everyone is so hyped about Balogun because he has all of those different qualities and he's scoring it in Liga, which is a super difficult league. He's among the top goal scorers. So to have that type of player, along with your Ricardo Pepys and your Josh Sargent's and your, your Jordy P folks or Hajji Wright's and, and Daryl DK's, you have a number of different options, but this is an elite striker with a high ceiling and someone that's a game changer for this group.
0: Well, I can't wait till Balogun commits and then he has an indifferent performance with you too because uh, you guys are just going to lose your oh shit. No. No.
2: <laughs> like, what does this Balogun guy do? I, don't, I can't, even,
0: like, can't even connect with these guys. I'll be like this. <laughs> <laughs> Alright, hey. so so before we move on to our, our second break, let's talk about the midfielders then in mm-hmm. terms of who stood out. Eunice uh, Musa, Weston McKinney, Luca De La Torre, Johnny uh, Cardoso had a cup of coffee there at the very end against uh, El Salvador so he won't be rated, but I guess we have three to choose from. How are we ranking those guys? Weston Kenny scored two goals. Should have scored again tonight. Didn't, but had the assist of Ricardo Pepe. Mm-hmm. But had some moments of maybe being a little bit out of position, maybe trying to do too much. That's what I love about him, though. You don't want to take what he loves about the game away from him. But if you are filling in at the six or if you're trying to do a different position sometimes, less is more. That's what I would say he, there.
2: You just was was the to... filler.
0: Yeah, I... Weston was.
2: Yeah, Weston was Yeah, yeah. Before. Well,
0: yeah, he's got the numbers to back it up too. Eunice, I thought was quiet. I, I, yeah, I he came over to Anthony Hudson like 16 minutes into the game to like either get some water or get some. I was like, oh my god, Eunice Moose is on the field. I didn't even know he's on the field. So, so he yeah, but all- there's a couple times when he gets the ball and I get it. I
1: get it. Technique and confidence on the ball when he looks at three players defending in front of him. and goes, I'm gonna go past you first of all, and then I'm gonna go to the next guy and I'm probably gonna beat you, and then I'm gonna find the next pass. You're like, oh my god. That kid's got something insane uh, in terms of his ability to just explode out of in, in and out of tight spaces. But what I will say on the midfielders is that we should probably be looking into our pool of players right now figuring out who is our next number six. Because if Tyler Adams is not always available, yeah, yeah. I do not think we have a solution. I'm going to chuck a name out there. If you've been watching Major League Soccer so far, Aiden Morris, probably the best six in the league right now, young player, and I think he's he, he might not be there yet. But I'm thinking through that right now about who's the next six because we need some real, we need somebody coming through. And we can't just we we've we've I think we've learned through this pool of players that you cannot just drop a a six is a special deposition position now, especially in the way that that we play. That we need somebody, um, and it's not De La Torre, and it's not Weston McKinney, and it's not Yunus Musa. It's a different type of profile, and and again, I don't know, I don't think we have that right now.
0: Okay. I, I agree with you. I think that uh, is definitely a, a big conversation to have. And we should get one of the coaches on. I mean, invite him the next time you go to coffee, Heath, and see if they'll come on the show. Chuck, what are you saying? I, I, I'm, I'm feeling like you're going Weston, then Luca De La Torre, then Eunice. Is that, is, that, is that where you're leaning? Because I thought De La Torre was, was good, solid, no problem. And didn't play, didn't, I mean, the Granada game, I, it's so hard for me to evaluate that one because it's just yeah. – Because um, the, the pace of that game yeah. was so slow. And when he played safe – that pissed me off a little bit. Like, dude, you can break the line, yeah, break the but line. But Luca plays pretty safe. Also, now even okay. when he advances, he still ends up playing the ball square. Even if he moves. Well, the there's ball some value in that if you're trying to keep it a little bit. I like at yeah. times. We're not always in a rush to hit the home run pass, but but yeah. there are times when I'm like, dude, it's he's time the to guy
1: go at the poker table that checks every time it gets to him, dude. Just like you know what I mean? Like, take yeah, a, yeah,
0: put some put some put some a, chips in the middle is he, and is let's play. He a play. check raiser? Check. Yeah, <laughs> yeah he'll check he's a, raise. He's a check like, raiser. Yeah. Um, I'll match. Okay. Okay. <laughs> yeah, I'll match. <laughs> he,
2: uh, I'm Chuck, gonna go, um, yeah. I'll go McKenney is, as, as, as number one, I think over the past two matches on, on being available and dangerous on set pieces, mm-hmm, he, mm-hmm. the past, and Ricardo Pepe, um, there were just some good tackles he made for me. He did well over these two matches. Yeah. Now, of course, of course, you, when he compared to more, the other, two, it's, but, it's pretty clear. But, yeah. Yes. Uh, I think Luca De La Torre would be number two just because we know how good Yunus Musa is, and he was very underwhelming for what he can be. Given that, there are still those moments where you go, that, that boy's special. That boy is special. But, uh, and you're not me, saying
0: that about Luca De La Torre?
2: No. No. He's solid. He's, he's, he's a good player, but he's not a, uh, you know, he's, he's all, he'd always be, if you had a midfield trio, he's always that third player. He's not, he's not the attacker, he's not the defender, he's just that player who, who can keep possession, who makes good decisions, who you don't really have to worry about, but he's not going to win you matches. And he's not going to save you matches in terms of making a huge recovery run. But what he is, he's going to add quality, he's going to keep the ball, he'll be able to switch the point of attack. He's, he's, he's a cerebral player, uh, but I think over these, these two matches, that would be my ranking for the trio.
0: Yeah, I like that. He's the connective tissue. And I think that's an important role. We need those guys on the field, too. It helps balance out everybody else. All right, we're going to take our second and last break of In Soccer We Trust. When we come back, apparently Brendan Aronson sat down to do an interview, and he has some thoughts about Greg Burhalter. You don't want to miss these, so come back and join us right after this.
1: Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help.
0: In soccer, we trusters don't miss a second of action from the greatest club competitions on earth—the Champions League and the Europa League—and maybe one day the Europa Conference League. And follow the biggest stars from the world of soccer like Vinicius Junior, Victor Osimhen, Erling Holland, Marcus Rashford, and Angel Di Maria as they try to clinch continental glory. Stream every match from the Champions League and the Europa League—and maybe one day the Europa Conference League—live only on Paramount Plus. So you can try one month free with promo code ADVANCE. So go make that happen. The promo code is ADVANCE. All right. Welcome back. Jimmy Conrad alongside Charlie Davies and Heath Pierce. And I teased that Brendan Aronson had an interview where he said some things about Greg. And it was a tease because he actually didn't say much at all. Here's his quote. I can't say much about the whole situation, but I think Greg was amazing for the time that he was here. The record doesn't lie. I think winning two trophies was huge for the team. And he had a really great thing with the group. And he was really good for the guys. But listen, I can't say much. And whatever happens, happens. Like I like to say. He should run for office, Heath Pierce. <laughs> yeah.
1: Good political answer. I think you know, it's it's um he does have solid stats and you can't deny those, but there also isn't like a you know, I think you're obviously seeing some different uh perspectives of of players and I know some of the rigidity and and um uh, expectations I guess of the players made it made it a pretty big challenge at times under under Greg in terms of the intensity that he wanted the way he wanted to press things like that so you can see why certain players are are interested in maybe another coach or another option the question is who that's the hardest part is like you know we we've got I'm I, I am lacking confidence in the ability to go and get a sporting director a GM and a coach um a that a three are going in <laughs> not and not even in, in a three month span but that can get to work right away
2: I heard Julian
0: Nagelsmann is in Chicago right now. You're lying. You're lying. Dude. <laughs> He's still a mean, He'd be younger than Tim Ream. I don't know if that would be the right shout. Oh, maybe Tim God. Ream can coach this. All right, here's a quote for you from Brendan Aronson, Chuck. He said, it's been ups and downs. This is on his post-World Cup form. It's been ups and downs. I think that maybe the World Cup didn't help me that much because I didn't play 90 minutes each game like I was playing at Leeds. I understood that. I knew my role at the World Cup, but I think that it might have slowed me down. I might have even been tired from it at the time because I flew 15 hours home after the World Cup and only had five days off and then had to go back and report to Leeds. So that was pretty tough. I haven't had a lot of time off, so it's been hard, but I think it's only making me stronger and only making me better. And I think I've become mentally stronger because of it. There is something to be said about that post-World Cup tournament or any kind of big moment in your life and coming down from that and not really having the time to process all of it. I think he, if I'm reading between the lines, the underlying what? message, that's what it feels like a little bit, Chuck.
2: Yeah, that's that's exactly what we said, um, that the World Cup took a lot out of him because he was playing with this confidence early with with his days at Leeds. And then you go to the tournament and you go from playing in the prem where coaches are saluting your your performances that you're, you know, known as a, a guy who's active and getting on the ball and causing problems who's scoring against Chelsea to not playing in the World Cup. That is that can't be any more deflating as a young player with the potential on the upside and you go back to your club, no vacation, all the travel, and it, you're, you're, you're a little bit depressed. That takes away from you. It takes a while to get out of that funk. But the way he's handled it, first class. Because the only thing you can do is just put your head down and keep working and, and hopefully get out of that situation. And, and it seems like right now he's, he's finally finding his feet again. So that's been good to see. I, I got nothing but positive things to say about Brennan as as a player and a person.
0: Yeah, he seems like a total pro, and not that that's a big surprise for us that have been around him, but it's one thing that's to say, oh, I can handle bad times. It's another thing to actually walk through them and handle them with the type of class that he's showing both at the club and national team level. Good that he scored against Granada. I think that's going to be good for his confidence, Heath Pierce, but maybe not as effective tonight. He did have some counter-pressing that he he won the ball and ultimately set up an attack for us. But outside of that, it still feels like what's his best position? And, and I think I say that for both his club and and the national team. How do we get the bo- most out of him in a way that really plays to his strength so he can get back to being confident? Because when we have a confident Brendan Aronson on our hands, we've got an excellent player.
1: Well, similarly, I think we're we're building specialist type of players, right? I don't think Brendan Aronson is going to be our star in any system. He's not going to be our big player in any system. He is going to be hugely beneficial in certain systems for us. And if we're not going to play those types of systems, then he's probably not going to be, I'm saying this, where he's at now, right? He but could certainly, effective. Yeah. He can certainly climb and become better and better and better at other parts of his game, which we know he's continuing to do, considering the leaps he's taken from his Philadelphia Union days. But he is a player that's strongest assets fit within a certain type of game. And I think that's as a winger. I think that's in a counter-pressing team, a team that presses high up the field. Now, whether that translates to a national team, who knows? But at the club level, you can look at a Brendan Aronson and and you start to go, well, what's his next club? You could predictably say the type of club he should probably go to next, right? If, if it's not a Leeds or whatever, it's going to be similar to that. It's going to be similar to uh, uh, energy drink soccer, you know, that the the the, the counter-pressing type of game that, that exists out there. And so I think him as a player, he's a fantastic player. Now, whether or not that translates to how we play in the national team, I think is is TBD long-term because of the type of player he is. And we have a number of players. Serginho so Ging- Ging- dess is another one that we talk about all the time of just going like, does he fit? Are we going to play to his strengths or is he going to have to play straight up in a national team differently than than perhaps he would play at a club team that maybe has possession all the time or, you know, where I mean, he's not even making the 18 or the, you know, the whatever now at, at his club team level. But I think those specialty types of players don't necessarily translate to automatic starters in our national team anymore.
0: Yeah, it's going to be interesting to see it all plays out, especially we got Timo Wea on our hands, who's another player who's playing left back or right back for his club team in France, but obviously has been an excellent winger, scored a great goal against Wales in the world cup to, to prove how efficient and effective he can be. So it will be interesting to see whoever comes in and coaches us <laughs> uh, in a more meaningful way than the interim job that Anthony Hudson is doing at the current moment. Let's evaluate Anthony Hudson then really quick before we talk about the other CONCACAF nations league matches and any other final thoughts that we have for today's show, Anthony Hudson, Chuck, the what, job, what? end of discussion. Give him the job, Jimmy. Yeah, Come on, he, come on. You can't give him the job. Change
1: my voice. So it sounds like, no, Charlie's you family.
0: can't, you can't give him the job. Let's quote Charlie I, I, as saying that, though, when we go Yes, let's get later. that. Let's clip that, <laughs> and let's overdub Charlie's voice. Yeah, so, nope. so, Chuck, Anthony Hudson, obviously in the January camp didn't win a game, but in two games here, Granada, I expect that. El Salvador, obviously we have a tremendous record against El Salvador uh, in, in general, but um, he put out a pretty good lineup. But if we're just looking at El Salvador, I thought he made the subs at the right time. Obviously, Pepe comes on and scores right after, has an immediate impact. Uh, your, your thoughts on on Anthony Hudson?
2: I think he's doing a great job as a caretaker it, as an interim manager. I think he's doing a great job. I'd say January camp was probably one of those times where he's learning as the, the first time. Where he's the, <laughs>
1: Charlie's he's, giving him the stepdad vibes, dude. <laughs> Just like, you know, he'll never really be dad, but like, you know, he's yeah, doing a yeah. great job fine. playing he, the role. He got me some ice cream <laughs> I and I don't watch. usually get some. You yeah. Know? Hey, yeah.
2: Uh, <laughs> I, hey uh, I'm keeping it real. I'm keeping it real. So uh, I think it was a learning curve for him being the boss. In January, I think he took a step forward in this camp. Uh, the first game, obviously, just inferior opponent, uh, but took advantage of it with the right lineup. And, and I liked how he wanted to make tweaks. And in this game, second half, the team needed to respond. He got them to respond because that's his job, get the energy up, get the, the team to play a certain style and, and way. So I think from that standpoint, you have nothing to say, but we all know – this is an interim manager. This is not a full-time manager. This is not someone who is going to have the job long term. That's just not a possibility. So you're waiting for the best option. I think what if anything that this tells us, you don't have to rush to hire someone that could be not the right choice. You well, can so, you can yeah. you can you can trust him to keep this program moving forward, even if it's not. The, 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 the lightning pace that we want this group to be making, but to keep them moving forward until we get the right manager.
0: I guess one of my questions then would be, and I've got two here for you, Heath, and for everybody else that's listening. Drop us a follow on Twitter as well, ISWT pod is, is when I think about Anthony Hudson and just his job and caretaker manager, at what point do we want to start to really take this next cycle seriously? Like we need to start establishing an identity sooner rather than later obviously we gotta we gotta hire a coach but when does that become critical i, I assume the summer because we've got some pretty meaningful games coming up with the nation's league and the gold cup a good chance to be immersed in the group and have some time to be around the group in a meaningful way which you won't get once once the european season starts again and it's harder to get around the guys in a longer over a longer period of time so that's one. Second, heath against granada mm-hmm. there was a lot of talk from certain players that Anthony Hudson's letting them play free in the attacking third and letting them try things and being more creative, clearly a uh, backhanded shot at Greg and and maybe how systematic he is in in trying to play a certain way, but against El Salvador, a team that was a lot more organized than Granada. I felt like we needed maybe some of those ideas, like a mix of that freedom and, and, and having some of those parameters where it's not just, let's just figure it out on the fly and, and, it felt like maybe we needed a little bit of coaching and we got it at halftime because it showed we just had a little bit more urgency. We had Gio a little bit higher. We started to unlock them. They got a little bit tired and we took our chance and, and we win the game. But but I wonder what that sweet spot is as we go from like hey, total freedom and no freedom at all. And can we find it? And, and do we have the group that can solve that in real time when things aren't working? Like fan- finding that plan B if plan A isn't working. Sorry, there's a lot of layers. To yeah, that. you can just I, run with it. No, <laughs> I I, I would I would say again, like
1: adopting certain games that are part of the modern, certain systems that are part of the modern game now is different to the national team to the to the to the club team, right? Club team, you can work on it every single day in the way in which you want to. You know, uh, I, I did the Houston Dynamo game last weekend, and the way that they press, you can tell that they spend every day working on a press, whether they're in a high block or mid or a low block, and. That's hard in the national team, right? And the national team has a completely different level of egos and players playing in different types of system. A club team, you can build it how you want it. And I know we have specialty type of players, and eventually we're going to have to get to that point. But you also need quality players on the field. I, ask, I, I guess my question goes back to both you. I don't ever remember feeling in any national team coach that I had that I, that I, I lacked. Like, yeah, you, you, it was always sort of a pessimistic mindset in terms of like being disciplined, and being organized was, like, the number one factor, right? At least from you and I, Jimmy, from a defensive standpoint. And then there was, like, pick and choose your moments. But it was set in, like, a smart system versus, you know, maybe being super, super rigid, like, where, you you know, you're not allowed to go forward as a fullback or whatever it is. I, I always felt that, you know, again, I think that maybe Greg did try to take it too far and make it too rigid, you know?
0: Okay. Charlie, any any comments on that? I mean, there's a lot of shouts in the chat for Ugo Perez being a potential candidate for us. I think he's shown. Obviously, he's coached a lot of our youth national teams and has he's in our National Soccer Hall of Fame for all the great work he did as a player. A really special player, by the way. I wish YouTube and social media had been around when he was going. I think we'd be looking at him a lot different as a proper legend that he is. Yeah. And we've had him on the show before, and he's said some very insightful things. Do you feel like they should at least listen to what he has to say about what he could do with our full national team because there is something he's he's yeah. getting a lot out of that group in El Salvador that makes him difficult to break down.
2: Well, I think he should be a candidate for sure, but more importantly, this is a a coach and a and a former player who should be a manager in Major League Soccer. Mm. Yeah, I'd love that. I'd love to see him do that. This, this this is the I think the next step for him and if he had success in MLS then he'd be, I think, a real candidate to get the U.S. Men's National Team job. But it still boggles my mind that he's not one of the first names linked to a job. If there's, whether a manager is shaky, you know, for instance, Minnesota has been a a team that's, I mean, Kansas City. I know uh, Peter Pimese just signed an extension, but they're not looking like they're going in any uh, positive direction. So you're looking at some of these clubs and you're saying they could really use a, a new manager, Miami, another one that I think Hugo Perez could do a terrific job in, especially if you're talking about uh, some culture, Latin culture. Hugo Perez is your man, someone who's who's proven and who can develop young talent, and give them opportunities. It, it's a no-brainer. So for me, it's it's more of a Ugo Perez should be getting MLS jobs, and and they should be coming at him, flying at him, and let him decide which one makes the most sense. But uh, in terms of U.S. men's national team, I don't know. If He is the the one, but certainly a candidate, considering the the people that have have been talked about um, being linked with this job.
0: Hey, Heath, I don't know if you picked up on that, but Charlie just called Phil Neville a gringo. Mm -hmm. (laughs) (laughs) All right, now the other Nations League games that are going on, uh, from what I understand, U.S. will play Mexico in one of the semifinals, but the other one's still up for grabs. We have Costa Rica hosting Panama. Costa Rica has six points. Panama has seven. So Costa Rica has to win tomorrow night to book uh, what, another spot in the semifinals. Panama just needs to draw to make that happen. And then you have Canada hosting Honduras. They're both on six points in their group. And Canada just needs to draw, obviously, to, to go through. And Honduras uh, needs to win to make that happen. So we could have a, a Canada-Costa Rica semifinal, or we could have a mixture of any of those four teams. But pretty exciting times. And uh, I'm excited to see where this goes. I'm excited that uh, we got Mexico. Not only in the Nations League, but also in a friendly. That's the next time the U.S. are going to play. It'll be April nineteenth. It'll be a friendly, and that will be a lot of a fun. So, no,
1: that's a non fixture date, though, right? Like that. Yes, gonna I be, believe it's
0: going to be MLS yeah. centric or domestic centric players in that one. So we're just going to we're like flip flopping January camp to Nations League to friendlies to Nations League again, and and uh, yeah, it should be interesting to see. That's a uh, a conundrum for Anthony Hudson as we continue to develop and, and broaden our player pool alright final thoughts Chuck you know what out of respect for your glorious watch and this trailer that you're driving in right now I'm going to come to you first on final thoughts
2: I'm just happy to be here <laughs> um,
0: and, and We, uh, we got uh, the- run for office <laughs> When are you going to run for mayor
2: of Boston dude when is that happening <laughs> we got the job done we're in the Nations League semifinals so job done um, I, I job look done. forward to that two games two wins Heath what about you
1: uh I'd like to start a campaign for this group uh and everybody who watches our show to get out to uh the Nations League um semifinals and finals be there in person in Vegas you know in Vegas maybe hit the tour on uh the Gold Cup as well like we we'll just bring a big old army with us everywhere we go and have a good time Let's
2: go That
0: would be pretty sick I would be all for that so we're going to leave it there on that high note with Heath who's trying to will all that into existence so let's that happened. We're talking to you, producer Des and producer Alex. All right, we're done. Thank you for listening to watching and soccer. We trust as always. We'll see you on Thursday for the next show. As we talk about even more stuff that we like to talk about. hopefully you'll
2: enjoy it. See you then. Later. The wait is over. The shy returns with new episodes on Paramount plus. What brings you to the show? Opportunity.
3: Everybody get down.
2: Walk right up to the A new rain is coming to the South side.
3: Never
2: should have sent a boy to do a woman's job. The Shy. New episodes May 10th. Visit ParamountPlus.com slash The Shy to get a 50% discount off the Paramount Plus with Showtime annual plan. Offer ends July 14th. Subscription
0: auto renews. Restrictions apply.